Ja, dat had ik. Um, Is that okay? Yeah, I think that's good. I'm so proud of you. Jordan's making me record this. I didn't want to. <laughs> All right, once everyone's gotten their chai and their cookies and water and whatever else, make your way over here. You guys are stuck with me for the next 45 minutes of your life. All right. Actually, if everyone can just put their drinks and their desserts down for a second and just join me in prayer, please. Yes. Yeah. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to ask you to extend your hand over me as I extend my hand over you and we're going to pray for each other right now. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come join us in this moment. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Abba Daddy, we invite you into this moment. <clears throat> Blessed Mother, we invite you to be with us in this moment. St. John Paul II and Blessed Son is Casey, we invite you to be with us in this moment. Lord, I desire to do your will. I come together with you, with all of my brothers and sisters, who have made time to spend with you, Lord, to hear your truth. And therefore, Lord, I ask that you make me a vessel of your truth. Open my mind and my heart to receiving you. And allow my brothers and sisters to open their minds and their heart to receiving and accepting your love also. I thank you, Lord Jesus, in advance to the intercession of Blessed Son of Casey for all the fruit, the joys, the blessings, the graces, the miracles that you have in store for all my brothers and sisters that are here and those that are not here. And I just ask that all that we may do may be to glorify you. Decrease us, Lord, and increase you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the beautiful gift of these people that are here with me tonight. And thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to minister to them. We pray all of this to the intercession of our mother as we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God,
And five years later, I still begin to unravel it and fall in love with this teaching that St. John Paul II had given to us. So I'm not here before you because I'm an expert, because I am not an expert in theology of the body. I'm not here to try to act like I'm your teacher or anything. I'm simply here as your sister to try to share with you some of the joy of what theology of the body has brought to me. So if you guys ask me a question I don't know the answer, I'm not going to feel bad about it because I don't know everything. I'm learning and falling in love with this teaching. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what theology of the body is, kind of how it came about. So just so I get an understanding, a raise of hands, how many people in here have heard of theology of the body? Are slightly familiar, I've heard the idea of theology of the body. Cool. How many of you guys are more familiar with it? Maybe you've done some readings or you've looked into St. John Paul II's teaching. Just a few? Okay, awesome. Well, what we're going to do is we're going to do a little bit of everything. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to cover just even 2%, you guys, which is a lot because the theology of the body is such a rich teaching. So St. John Paul II, before he was a pope, when he was just a cool, Polish, cute little priest, he had this passion of walking and hiking with young people. Literally, he would just grab a bunch of young people, walk with them, hike with them in the mountains. How many of you guys go around hiking? Only the white people are And you guys, yeah, this is probably quite, quite a few years ago, okay? But what do you guys think were some of the most apparent, the most obvious, and maybe the subjects that they that came up the most around these types? Yes? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Who said relationships? You did. Relationships, yes. Relationships. What else do you guys think they were talking about? I think mostly a lot of relationships, yeah. Yeah, preparatory for sure. He found that a lot of people asked really deep philosophical questions like, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What did the Lord create me for? Why was I created a woman and my brother created a man? What is love? Why do I have all these sexual desires but then in the Catholic Church I'm told I can't do anything about it until I'm married? It's like torture. So St. John Paul II would walk with these teens, would talk to them, learn about them, and from, basically, he did like a research study, like a case study was essentially, right? Because he took that information and he created these talks. And in fact, when he was, when he was elected Pope, those became his Wednesday audiences. So every Wednesday, there's a responsibility for a Pope to go out and to preach some gospel or good news or an encyclical, a letter, whatever it is. JP Tuesday was theology of the body. So we're going to get into it. So he did 135 reflections, brothers and sisters. 129 of them he actually was able to speak during his Wednesday audiences. What's interesting is he goes all the way back from Adam and Eve and then even talks about our future and what God desires for us what Christ desires out of love, what the purpose and meaning is of love. And what he started talking about was this idea that our world believes that our body is bad, that our body equals sin. Your <coughs> spirit is good, but your body is bad. 
And a lot of times, you guys, not to call anybody out, but a lot of times I feel like when we're growing up, even up in our church, we have this idea that, like, your spirit is good, your spirit desire is good, but your body know it's bad. Right? Like, you may be meant to do good, but you still went and did something, and because you did that and you hit someone, therefore your body is bad. Or you desire love, but you have sex. Sex with your body is bad. The desire is good. But that's not what John Paul II was saying. Actually, he found that a lot of people were on two sides of the spectrum. So either you thought body is bad, spirit is good, or spirit is bad and body is good. But the problem with that became that if you thought that you were merely your spirit and that your body meant nothing, then everything would have been a subjective reality. What I mean by that is if my spirit is in control and my spirit is good but the body is bad, that means whatever I make a reality in my mind is what the reality is. When I first read that, you guys, and when I said that five years ago, I had no idea what that meant, okay? But the Lord continued to reveal truths. And now when I'm on social media or I talk to people or I saw a news article the other day and it was talking about how this woman, this Caucasian woman, was being slammed, like torn apart on Twitter and social media and everything because she was posting these pictures looking a little tan. She had curled her hair and made it look bigger or like more Afro style, right? And she was a bit of a curvier woman. And all of these African-American people were slamming her. They were like, you are not black. This is so disrespectful. Who do you think you are? And they were ripping her to shreds, right? And I thought for a second, I'm like, but what if this girl seriously, in her mind, she thinks she's African-American? And her body is revealing a truth of what her inner, excuse me, of what her spirit thinks. But what if then, then turn, let's, let's turn it, right? So some people are like, okay, that's not that bad, whatever. And then I heard about the story of a man who literally believed he was a tiger. So much so, brothers and sisters, that he got plastic surgery to make his face look like a tiger. He would even wear chains, crawl on the floor. He legitimately thought he was a tiger. Now some of you guys are like, what? But no, brothers and sisters, I am not saying this to condemn anyone. I'm not saying this to judge anyone. Believe me, I stand here before you, the greatest sinner of all. I say this because there is some truth behind the way that we present our bodies. Our spirits and our bodies are not against each other. In fact, our spirits and our bodies are one in one. Jesus Jesus created was, was made flesh, right? Like, if your body was bad, do you think the Son of God would come and would appear in flesh? No. But our spirits and our body go one in one because your body reveals, makes visible what is the invisible, sacramentally, right? Your body reveals what your spirit is. And this poor man that thought he was legitimately a tiger, he committed suicide. After all of these surgeries and everything that he did, and we live in a world that seems to be so accepting of everything, right? Do as you feel. You are whatever you are, whatever you want to be, that's what you are. Oh, brothers and sisters, there's, there's something real about that, though. There's something really detrimental and hurtful about that, though. And in the same way, brothers and sisters, if we are only what our bodies are, 
and not what our spirit is. If people are like, no, spirit is bad, body is good, then what distinguishes us from animals? They have an appetite, they take care of that appetite, and then they're hungry again. I often hear, so I work in a school, I'm in the cafeteria, and there's a group of young girls that work in the school with me, all really, really nice girls, but they talk and they're like, oh, that guy was such a dog, he's such a pig. And I was thinking about, like, where does that come from? That idea of comparing human beings to animals. But if the spirit is removed from a human and only remains the body, then what are, what are animal instincts needs? They want food, right? They mate, and they move on. Literally, my grandpa, you guys, he's obsessed with, like, Nat Geo, and, like, Jordan Mimmel will tell you, my grandpa will sit there for hours and just watch, like, like Earth stuff, you know, on Netflix. That was like the best, worst thing we ever did for them was the Netflix. <laughs> and he will watch like these animal series, okay? And like low-key sometimes it's awkward because like animals will just like start making love or whatever. You know, it's not even making love, but they start mating. And my grandpa's like, do you see this? Do you see what he does? You know, it's like, it's like, they don't think about it. They don't think like, oh, she's a really cute personality. Like, let me go and make a baby with her. Like, sometimes it's like, it's kind of scary because sometimes the female really does not want it. But she has no other option but to stay there. Because animals are animals. They don't have an instinct. They don't have a conscience. So no, brothers and sisters, I am not telling you that the body is better than the spirit or the spirit is better than the body. I'm telling you that our Lord created them so that our bodies can reveal a truth that our spirits possess. Does that make sense? Here's the problem. Throughout all of this, um, and this, is, this has been like a very humbling thing for me too, is I've had this opportunity to encounter people and meet people from all over the world. I had the privilege this past summer of going on uh, the Camino de Santiago. How many of you guys, have you guys ever heard of it? It's okay, a few of you? Um, raise your hand if you went. Yeah, so, um, so to my Chaldean brothers and sisters, these are my Caucasian white family, right? And then I have some of my Albanian brothers and sisters that are here also. Um, they went on Camino with me. So we had this privilege of going on this trip this past summer. And essentially what it is, is the path of St. James. So when St. James set out to become a disciple, he went and he ministered to all of these people. And it's kind of become this, like, haven. There's a whole culture to Camino where even if people aren't Catholic or don't worship, like, we met people that were atheists, okay? But you're walking and there's this culture of safeness and security where people will just open up within minutes about some of their deepest, darkest secrets. And I, would, I was surprised and amazed to see, and I mean, you guys didn't ask them, we saw, like, we saw some beautiful, incredible healings and some, old, like, incredible testimonies of people, but we would just be walking and within five minutes we'd have a woman crying to us telling us something that she couldn't believe happened in her life. And I'm talking... Some of your best friends, and you may even be sitting next to right now, may not even know these things about you. But one of the things people, what I realize is everybody still, for some, because of sin, because of the cause or the effects of sin, everybody still suffers from this ache of solitude, from this fear of being alone. And I know that tonight was specific to single people, and whether you're single, you're here, or you're married, or whatever. Regardless, and you don't, don't answer this out loud, but I know at some point in your life, 
every single person has felt some ache of solitude. I know that every single person has experienced shame. And I know that every single person desires communion. Which makes sense, brothers and sisters. This is not some crazy philosophy that we needed Aristotle to come up with. This is the truth about the way that our Lord created us. So brothers and sisters, let me ask you, when you think of a gift, do you think that, like, when I think of a gift, I automatically think there has to be at least two people involved. The giver and the recipient, correct? Sure. When the gift of love, brothers and sisters, love is not a one-person thing. Love automatically implies that there is a giver and a recipient. And I always think about how this priest once said to me, he was like, even if you were the only person on this world, our Lord would have still suffered and died out of love for you. And that always resonated so deeply, even though, like, I feel like I was such a little punk, I was like, yeah, who would have scourged him? Yeah, who would have nailed him? Like, that was just, like, what was going on in my mind when I was in high school, right? But, like, the truth is, is that our Lord would not have came and died for himself. It doesn't make sense. It was an act of love that he gave in order that we receive. And how beautiful is that? Because that automatically implies that we cannot love, and I'm not even talking in a romantic relationship, we cannot love as brothers and sisters if we are not in communion and community. And John Paul II went so far to say that unless we are in a community, we will not know who we are. Because it is through the act of love that one begins to self-identify. So maybe you guys think about something. Maybe in the past week, in the past month, I could even think today. Something that someone did at work that pissed you off. Everyone has an annoying colleague. Our little annoying brother and sister, whoever it is, whatever. Everyone has someone that maybe, you know, you really have to pray to the Lord before you see them, right? I have a student like that. To, literally, I have to, before I go, I'm like, come Holy Spirit. I'm not kidding, you guys. I have to remember, Jesus died on the cross for him. It's very hard for me to remember that sometimes, right? But in those moments, when you are with those people, that is when the Lord sees your true love and the gift of love. It's not just when you're married, right? It's not just with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend, it's not just with your best friend. It's when you are in communion with others. That's when you begin to learn things about yourself. And whether that's something that you want to admit now or not, I feel like I will tell you, I've had, I mean, I'm so blessed and privileged that the Lord has brought Jordan into my life. I'm so, so privileged. I feel like sometimes it doesn't even feel real to me. But I have learned so much about myself through the act and gift of love with him. And St. John Paul II talks about how because of a consequence of sin, that every single one of us are wounded. And that's why we experience things like this ache of solitude, of shame, and this desire of communion. Brothers and sisters, at some point in your life, somebody says something to hurt you. And that hurt resulted in a lie that you believe about yourself. And that lie is from the evil one, which becomes a rival voice in your day, in your every single day of living. So girls, if you've had an experience with a guy, or guys, if you have had an experience with a girl where they just, 
They cheated on you, or they don't talk to you, they just ghosted you. Or you had a best friend who you thought was your best freaking friend, and they stabbed you in the back. Then all of a sudden, from that comes this lie that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy of a true friendship. I'm not worthy of a true relationship. I'm going to be alone forever. I'm never going to find anyone. And those are the lies that the evil one desires you to believe so much. But they're just that, brothers and sisters. They're lies. And our Lord came to redeem us. Yes, we were crucifixes because we acknowledge the passion and the death of our Lord, the ultimate act of love. Which, by the way, brothers and sisters, if our own Lord demonstrated his love by very brutally dying for us, then what do you think he's telling us about love? But it doesn't end here. Our Lord is a resurrected Lord. And in fact, I love the um, image. I don't know if you've ever seen that of Thomas, Doubting Thomas, when he, um, when Jesus comes afterwards, and he and Thomas is like, there's this image. I, don't, I forgot who it's by, but it's almost like Thomas is like looking into Jesus' side, and Jesus takes Thomas's hand and puts it into his side. And that you, does anyone know this line? I know you guys do. Everyone plays this line. Okay. And it, like, when you first press, like, new slime, it makes that, like, like, a really gushy, but, like, low-key, like, you like it. I don't know. It's, like, it's so weird. <laughs> okay. It's, like, this grossness, but, like, you press it, and that's the sound that it makes. And that's what I imagine it was, like, when Jesus took Thomas's hand and just put it right in his side. But for a moment, the beauty out of that became that our Lord was not saying, oh, I'm ashamed of my wounds. I, I just want them to disappear. Know that our Lord is saying, look at these wounds. Dig deeply into these wounds. Allow me to enter these wounds with you so that they can be healed. I love that final uh, scene in the Passion where you see like Jesus comes out and like even though you can almost see the booty, like for a second, you guys, he walks out and you see that his nails or his hands were pierced. That that wasn't closed because we believe in the Lord that embraces these wounds. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, that those wounds are not your fault. And that our Lord never desires those for you. And he has a plan that's so much greater for you, which is so exciting. That gave me so much hope. Now, the crazy thing is is that... um, I was listening to, so, I'm sorry, so I work at a school, right? So they were talking about in the school how they want to change sex ed in schools. And um, everyone in my school kind of knows that I'm like, this Jesus freak and I love the Lord. And I feel like I really have to pray for strength sometimes because it's not easy. You know, and I, I'm standing before you guys just being real with you guys. Like, sometimes it would just be so much more easy for me to be passive or remove myself from situations. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I just go into my office because I'm like, Lord, not today. But I happened to be upstairs one time in this conversation that they were having. They were talking about how sex ed is going to be changing in the next few years. Because sex ed is no longer, like they're talking about biological sex, right? They're saying sex ed will no longer, they they can't just educate children on man and woman. They have to educate kids on all different types of sex. Because otherwise it's discriminating. And I just stood for a second and I was like, Lord, what's going on? 
what and, and I wasn't even I wasn't even sitting here like judging or I wasn't offended by the idea that they just wanted to stay here and change it. I was offended because in this moment they were reducing sex to merely biological. In fact, like when people like I know on, on social media like Facebook and stuff, or even just like I have Snapchat, which to me I know it's like it's so stupid, right? But sometimes I go through some of the articles and I read them and I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, like. Our world really needs Jesus. And I'm not saying they really need Jesus like, oh my gosh, we're so much better than I'm saying like, these people are missing out on what the truth is. And hold on, John Paul II has an amazing quote. What? I just don't want to screw it up. Okay, so he says, modern man's sexual confusion is not because the world glorifies sex, but it fails to see its glory. Yes, JP too, right? That's so true. It fails to see its glory. In this moment, they're simply reducing sex ed down to biological, biologically, biological sexes, excuse me. And then they start to talk about sexuality like it's something that you choose. And when I say something that you choose, I'm not condemning brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters that struggle with same-sex attraction. I am not condemning our brothers and sisters that identify as a different gender than what their biological nature shows. No, brothers and sisters, I am talking to you as your real sister, letting you know that your sexuality is much more than that. Even us, as, as someone that identifies as a straight female or a straight male, your sexuality is not the fact that, excuse me, that you're straight. That's not what your sexuality is. In fact, St. John Paul II talks about how your sexuality is like your gen genetic code in a spiritual sense. St. John Paul II goes as far to say, our maleness and our femaleness, our sexuality in quotes, is the fun fundamental fact of human existence. Our sexuality is by no means something purely biological, but concerns the innermost being of the human person. Now, this is my favorite, ready? God inscribed in our sexuality the vocation of love to love in his own image. This calling presents itself as an intense yearning for communion with another. So, I know a lot of times, like, I don't know, I feel like some people think it's, like, so ab sometimes to be like, oh, I, I wish I was, like, with someone, or, like, you watch a movie, like, The Notebook or whatever, like, Titanic, I, all of these stupid movies, right? Like, even This Is Us. I used to, like, romanticize it, Jack, right? And I got my man, you know? <laughs> um, but this idea of, like, you watch these shows, right? You watch these movies, you read these magazine articles, and it, like, you read it, and you're like, why am I not satisfied? Like, and, and let's just be real, brothers and sisters, like, pornography. You indulge in pornography, and guess what? Do you feel any sort of, of like true fulfillment afterwards? No, you feel shameful. You're not satisfied, which is why then you desire more. And the beautiful thing is that that desire afterwards is not a bad thing. That is not a shameful thing. It's a gift. That desire to be in communion with others is exactly what our Lord desires for you. In fact, he placed that desire on your heart specifically from him. It is a true gift from Christ to want to be with someone. And women, it is a true gift from Christ to have a spiritual maternal instinct. 
Where even when you're five years old, you, you dress up play as a mother. Right? You desire to care for other people. And my brothers, I'm not saying that you guys cannot take care of other people, or you do not desire to be a parent. The capacities are different because this is how our Lord created us. You know, John Paul II talks about how the fact that um, women desire to, to be on contraceptives should be a huge insult to us as women. And I talk to a lot of my friends who say, like, why? It's not a big deal. Like, are you serious now? I don't have to worry about anything. I'm, like, even married women, you know, like, who are like, why? Like, why would I ever want the headache of every single time I'm having sex to sit here and worry about what if I'm going to get pregnant? It's not the right time in my life right now. All these things, right? Do you know what they're doing in this moment, brothers and sisters? Even though I can get in and talk about this much longer. But in this moment, they're reducing the act of sex to purely body and not spirit. But the problem is, you guys, is they're one. And John Paul II talks about how, like, as women, we should be the most offended. We should. You know why? Because our femininity, our, our desire to take care of others, is most exemplified as a mother, as a sister, as an aunt, as a godmother. Because we cannot love unless we are in communion with others. And I read this Twitter, um, Twitter, uh, what's it called? Tweet? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm just like getting into Twitter. They made, us make, they made us make one for work, and I feel like I'm doing it all wrong. Um, but so someone tweeted once. It was a guy that was tweeting about how he would never take male contraceptive pills because he said that, like, there's way too many side effects. It's about to mess me up, whatever. And then he said, I will not reduce my masculinity to a prepubescent boy and stop what my natural body should be doing. And like all these girls were liking it and retweeting it and all of this, but then these are the same girls that are like, I love my contraceptive, this frees me. And I'm like, wait, 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 hold up. How distorted is our world right now? Like this is exactly what the evil one wants. He wants us to feel the sense of like empowerment. But really then, what I read that as was like, no, it's okay. Guys don't have to do that. But women, we should do that to our body. Women, we should take all the side effects. Women, we should put the responsibility on us. And St. John Paul II is saying, of course that's going to be a natural woman's reaction. As part of a mother and part of the natural desires that God put in a woman on a woman's heart, was to care for others, was to sacrifice her body out of love for another. Of course that's going to be our natural reaction. And it's not because we're stupid. It, that's not it at all. Merely even this, even this lie, this distortion, reveals the truth about the beauty that a woman truly has and her desire to care for and protect and love. It's unfreaking believable. And the same way, my brother, this desire and, and um, job, excuse me, or not job, I should say, but this duty that men feel to be protected, to take care of. And I knew a lot of, I know a lot of us grew up in a household where Baba worked, Mama stayed home. I watched a little bit of both. I watched my mom work, my dad worked, God bless him. I watched my mom stay home and raise the kids, work sometimes. 
I'm not saying that this that theology of the body is saying dad works, mom stays home. No, no, no. Every single family is called to a different vocation, and that's something for you to discern with your husband to see where the Lord is calling you most to glorify Him. What I'm saying, though, you guys, is that men, it's very natural as men for you to have this desire to want to take this on this duty to take care of your family. It's not about being macho. It's not about having the six-pack. It's not about being the tallest or the strongest. And that's where our world has reduced all of this, too, if they focus simply on the body and no spirit. But then how weird would it be, ladies and gentlemen, if you saw this guy that's like six foot two, he's like macho or whatever, but then when it comes down to being in a real situation, he will not be protective. He will not be assertive. He will not look out, even if it's just for his little siblings. What does that do? That almost like negates, excuse me, the fact that he is this strong macho man, right? Or the same way that I've seen guys that maybe are not the tallest or, or like not the strongest or whatever looking, but they are the manliest men. Because they love the Lord. And they know it's their duty to protect. And I know for a fact that a lot of you sitting in here absolutely fall into that category. Not that you girls aren't gorgeous or my brothers in here aren't handsome. Not about that. But the fact that this is what our world does, you guys. They make everything more so about the body than they do about the spirit. But the truth is, you guys, is they do go hand in hand. In fact, I'm going to be real with you guys about something. So... I love dancing. Shout out to Zena, she's my dance partner in like 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> we just got classes, yes, 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 okay. So, um, so I, I love dancing, okay, and like, and I love Jesus, but like, your girl can get hood, okay. So, <laughs> when, uh, about like, I moved back from, I used to live in Grand Rapids. I moved back about three years ago, and I loved dancing so much, and I knew this was something that I wanted to continue, so I did. And my first dance instructor that Zena and I actually took together, she opened up a dance studio, and I went. It was on Seven Mile. I was also the only white girl, right? So, like, you know, you definitely know that I was committed. Okay, thank you. So, um, so we would have dance classes. I loved it. It was so much fun. I felt like it was just me being me. And I loved, like, learning new things, and I, I absolutely just loved to dance. And, like, I would probably say... About a year ago, um, we were like we were you guys. I'm telling you, like we danced to some hood stuff. Like some of the lyrics, I definitely would just honestly phase over me because I was so focused on the count, making sure that I got everything on count. That like later on, when I would listen to the song, I'm like, oh, oh, you know, like I was like, I should not be listening to But I was, you guys, like I was genuinely, I was having this struggle because I enjoyed it so freaking much. But I knew that when I was dancing to those songs, that my body was revealing something that my spirit did not agree with. And even if I didn't mean it, like, I still love the Lord back then, but I just realized that my body was revealing a truth my spirit was not agreeing with, and I couldn't be okay with it. And I would wrestle, you guys. I would go back and forth. I'd be like, nah, I can go today. And then I told them. I was like, you guys, I would tell my friends because they're like, you're not coming. Like, what's going on? Because we would dance in a crew. No, okay. <laughs> so we would dance in a crew, and they would be like, why aren't you coming? Like, 
why, like, we have this coming up, we have this coming up. And I was really kind of embarrassed to say it, but I was like, yo, you guys, like, I feel super weird dancing to some stuff that I know my heart just doesn't agree with. And some of the reaction was like, oh, Napoli, it's not that deep. Like, seriously, just focus on the counts, focus on the counts. And some of my other friends were like, yo, no, like, I feel you, that's okay, let's try to see if we can pick other songs. You're like, would you be down to instrumentals? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So that happens, but we're still doing hood rap stuff. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, it really, you guys, like, I know it's going to sound like it's not that hard. Like, it was so hard for me to just be like, I can't do this. Because the truth is, I know that this teaching is true. And I know that it's true, not just because I'm sitting here in front of you guys talking about it. I know that this is true because I've experienced it in my life. And I knew that if I was up there dancing, and not even about if any of you saw me or anything like that, because really my brother's a real one, he came to one of my, like, one of my shows once, but the fact that I could feel in my heart that there was some sort of truth that was being contradicted, I knew that it just wasn't okay that I was doing that. And it was really, really hard for me. But I know that the Lord was revealing something deeper. He was going back and trying to pull out some of those wounds. He wanted me to take his hand and put it into my side so he can dig deeply, deeply into that wound. And brothers and sisters, it's been very liberating. Not liberating in the sense that I don't miss dancing, because I, I definitely, definitely do. But liberating in the sense that I know that my body reveals truth even if I'm not aware of it. And knowing that the truth in my body that I reveal is that I respect my body. Human bodies have the power to express love through love because human persons make themselves a gift. This, brothers and sisters, is what John Paul II said, is the meaning and epitome of our existence. The this fulfills the meaning of existence. That's insane. Because in Ephesians 5, I think, Paul says something about, and this is why we were created. To give of one another. Because it is through love that we learn about ourselves. And it is through love that we, honestly, that, that's how we know Jesus. That's how we learn Jesus by giving ourselves sacrificially. And even in, um, in marriage, or even in any love, but in marriage specifically, they say that a person dies to themselves out of love for the other. And like when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, where's all those cute movies about like honeymoon phase and like going on really cute romantic dates and everything? Like I never heard anything about dying to yourself, literally dying to yourself, you guys. I don't think that when priests say that, they're trying to make it light. And I definitely don't think that St. John Paul II was saying that to try to make it light or, you know, to like sarcastically say it. I'm pretty sure he was dead serious about dying to yourself. For me, that took me back a little bit, you guys, because I realized that that would be the only way that a marriage would make sense is if you truly die to yourself out of love for your spouse. Because if they reciprocated that also, then what's happening? You're both dying out of love as a gift to oneself, which is essentially what sex is. It's entirely giving yourself and receiving that gift. 
And actually, you guys, hold on, let's see where I'm supposed to go. Oh, actually, we'll get into it. Okay, okay. How, what am I on a time right now? Okay. In Genesis 2.8, it says, It is not good that the man should be alone. His body revealed that he was created for another. So, in essence, none of us are created to be alone. In fact, even in most religious communities, like, or religious organizations, they're in community. That doesn't necessarily mean that like, they're always talking or like, that they're always with someone, braiding each other's hair, but they're in community. Even our Lord in adoration, if nobody is in adoration with him, what are we supposed to do? Put him right in the tabernacle. Or cover him up. <clears throat> he can't be exposed unless someone is there with him. By the way, that was the Holy Spirit, because I never thought of that until now, so praise you, Jesus. It's true. Our Lord knows that none of us are called to not be in communion. We desire communion. That's why, you guys, um, as soon as you hear some sort of news, you always just want to be with someone. You want to go tell them right away. Girls, we're really good at that. Guys are not as good at that, but, like, guys who sit next to each other and, like, jerk a beer, maybe not talk, but, like, they like to be amongst one another, right? And it's interesting, because even just thinking about the dynamic of a guy and girl, girls, when we hang out, we like to sit face to face. Like, I want to look into your beautiful face and your eyes and talk to you, right? Guys, when they talk to each other, they're just sitting next to each other, yeah, right? They don't care. I mean, I mean, like, I know, for example, like, Noah loves to hold hands with Jordan. Or, or, I mean, that happens, right? That's what This is what's so cool, you guys. That God desires us to make him our first love so that we can truly love in the image and likeliness of love. So cool. <laughs> uh, when we, like, when you think about Adam, when he was in the garden, his body literally revealed the truth that his spirit maybe was not even aware of, which is that he was created for somebody else. Because literally, physically, his genitalia revealed that he was not meant to be alone. And it's so obvious when our Lord created Eve. <clears throat> and when God created Eve, created Eve, I feel like people get it twisted a lot because they're like, yeah, he came out of her rib, and then all these guys are like, yeah, you know, that means we're like boss and dominant. But like, no, our Lord created him out of the rib, out of her, excuse me, our Lord created her out of his rib to show that they are equals. He didn't create, like, Adam out of something and then, like, Eve out of, like, the ah of the anus or something like that. You know, like, <laughs> she's an incredible gift. And even he knew, looking at all the creatures, he wasn't satisfied. Even he knew that he needed somebody that would be of his equal. And what's insane is if you look at their bodies, if you look at the body of a man and a woman, like, it's so freaking beautiful, you guys. Because they fit. They literally fit. I always like to say, I think, like, God is the most, like, natural, organic man in the world. You know, like, he got, hopefully they got nothing on him, right? So, he is super, super natural, super organic man. He likes everything to be in its right order. And the truth is that if God created everything, which he did, then he too put everything in order and created rules for them. So brothers and sisters, 
It doesn't make sense that a man should be with anyone else but a woman. Not really for all these philosophical and theological arguments. No, no, I'm simply speaking on the fact of what naturally goes together. And what's beautiful is looking at Adam, you see that he is made to give. And Eve, as a woman, her body is made to receive. It's so incredible. There is a mystery about a woman that's freaking bomb, let me tell you. What's amazing is that even the genitalia of a man reveals what he is aroused. But a woman, it's hidden. It's a temple, a hidden temple. You can't see that. And this is no coincidence. This wasn't like God didn't think about it and just, oh, okay, I guess that's just the way it is, that's okay. No, there is a sense of mystery that a woman possesses that a man will not have. And that is why, one of the many reasons, that is why there's a natural attraction for men to women. That is why even if a girl is not like, America's Next Top Model, even though we're sitting in a room full of dimes, let me just say Dallin, there is a natural tendency for a man to look at a woman. It's so freaking cool. Like, our faith is so badass. I'm sorry, I don't know what you want me to tell you. It's awesome. <laughs> because it reveals all these truths. And you guys are like, sometimes I would just sit back and think, like, well, why is it this way? Why is it this way? And, oh, our church, our Catholic church, doesn't teach not to have sex before marriage to punish us. It teaches us that our bodies are meant to give wholly. Not part, but all of it. And did you want to say something? Can I take questions? Yes. Yes. Like, okay, yes, that's why I held it up. And one of the things, by giving wholly, like holy, W-H, not like H, like holy, he talks about, John Paul II talks about being fruitful, faithful, total, and free. It's fine. Fruitful, fruitful, faithful, total, and free. Free? Because our Lord gave himself to us freely. Our Lord had the choice when he was in the garden to be like, I'm not going to do this. He literally baptized Christ into I didn't do a good job. <laughs> you can just leave it on. I'm done with it. Thank you. No, you're very welcome. He literally even went as far, our Lord, our strong, muscle Lord, went as far to say that if it was not willed for him, if, if God could let the cop pass if he wanted it to. But he continued freely, totally. You got, or Christ gave himself up for us totally. There was not a moment of his life that was spared for his own rest, for himself, for his own pride. Every single thing that he did was for us. He would minister and he was able amongst the crowds to feel the woman that touched his book. He gave himself to this world totally, fruitfully. Our Lord brought life into this world. He gave us the opportunity to have eternal life. And then what was the last one? Faithfully, yes. Thank you. Thank you, sis. He gave himself up for us. He was not here for a greater for anything greater. He wasn't here for his own pride. He wasn't doing this miracle so people would think he was awesome. 
because people did think he was awesome, but people also saw him do the miracles and turned and walked right away. That didn't stop him. This is how we're called to live, to give of ourselves in any vocation, especially if we're called in marriage, because we're free to get married. In fact, when you're on the altar or in marriage prep, the priest will ask you, are you here freely? Or did Khartoum Najiba hook you up with her nephew's cousin's dad's uncle's <laughs> Are you here totally? Do you, will you totally give of yourself to your husband or wife? Are there any other motives? Are you trying to get your visa? You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't, we don't know. <laughs> Fruitfully, are you willing to bring life into this world? If our Lord gives you that privilege, will you get married with the idea of fully becoming a father and a mother if the Lord gives you that privilege? And I always started the last one. Free, total, fruitful, thankful. Thank you. And faithful. <clears throat> Will you be faithful to your spouse? Even the way that sex was created, brothers and sisters, the chemicals and hormones that are released in our minds when two are having sex, it's not a coincidence. Our Lord created that so that sex could bring you closer with the idea of putting these hormones in our bodies to make something biological, spiritual, so that there would be an emotional connection when you're having sex, which is why Friends with Benefits never works, you guys. Even the movies that they show, there's that movie, Friends with Benefits, ends up, they end up wanting to be with each other. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I honestly never saw it, so whatever, but I heard. But that's not the way that love is meant to be. And brothers and sisters, if you stand before your loved one, before marriage, and you are afraid, of course, of getting pregnant, especially in our culture, I'm not even like, it's not even just about, oh, there's always a fear, but especially in our culture, let's be real. Are you giving yourself fully, totally, freely, and fruitfully to your spouse, to your boyfriend? No. You're saying in front of them, what you're saying is, I'm going to give you 10% of me, but the 90% I can't, I can't give you right now. Later, maybe later. But this 10%, I'm going, to, I'm going to try my best to give it to you. What? What if I brought you a donut and gave you this much of it? You were like, I need the rest of them. I'm sorry, I don't know. What? First of all, I would, like, that would just not work with me. But, but the, the crazy thing is that, that's not even the way that we are chemically and physically and biologically designed. We're going to want more. And it's not a bad thing. That's how we were created. That's what the Lord wanted us to become. And that's what we are. And on a very, very quick spiel, because it's so hard for me to get into contraceptives or anything deeper. I'm so sorry, you guys, I know I'm talking your ear off, but we are called for more. And that's the beauty of all of this. And I'm just going to leave you guys with a quick fun fact. In sex, when I just don't want to get the hormones wrong, but there are these two specific hormones that are released when having sex. So women experience a flood of oxytocin. This is the same hormone that they produce in labor and in nursing a baby. Okay. Um, it also causes a woman to be forgetful and decreases her ability to rationally think. Men also produce oxytocin during sexual intercourse, inter, intercourse, excuse me. 
But the hormone that they produce the most is called vasopressin. This is called, this is in other words called the monogamy molecule. What it does in it is it kicks in after sexual activity and it impacts and heightens a man's sense of responsibility. Think about this, brothers and sisters. Our Lord created this like, sex and the hormones that come out in it so that women, when they're having sex, can desire to be with just one person. They're forgetting about everything else and they're with this one person. For men, it heightens their sense of responsibility to be a dad. They're ready to be a dad. So what happens, brothers and sisters, when this is taken outside of the context of marriage? You have a one-night stand. The girl, she's all about the guy. She wants to text him. She wants to be with him the next day. She wants to see him. The guy, hell no. He doesn't want anything to do with that. Man, he, all of a sudden, he gets, he's scared because there's this fear of this responsibility. You know, no, I don't want none of that. And how funny, because in Genesis, after Adam blamed Eve and continued, Jesus, or God said to them that a woman will forever, like, a woman will forever yearn for a man's desire and a man will rule after her. Meaning, in our culture, day and age, girls will always try to chase guys, and guys are going to sit here and basically not desire any type of relationship. They're going to run it. Brothers and sisters, I'm not saying that any of you guys are doing that. But isn't it insane what the distortion of sin did and does and continues to do? The beautiful thing is that we have truth, and we believe in a faith of hope. And we believe in a redemptive Savior and a redemptive Lord. So this is not what you are bound to. You are created for more. Your bodies are incredible. You guys are incredible. Our Lord delights in you. He loves you. Every little thing about you. He has your names tattooed on the palm of his hand. He loves you so much. And he doesn't want you to feel like you have to fall into this trap of what the world says is normal, of what the world says is good, but instead to turn to him for that love, to ask him to love like him, so that you can see others in the way that he desires you to in his image. Thank you so much, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry I talked more than four Take your information and call you, like call you with the answer. Do you want that recorded?